0: hey guys Montel here and thanks so much for tuning in this edition of let's be blunt with Montel I am really happy and so so proud to have the special guest that we have on today Um, she's a lady who is from Scotland joining us all the way from Scotland to talk about cannabis and to talk about it in a way that I think a lot of us need to hear you know I recently did an interview with the producer of a movie that's called Weediatrix, which is now uh, available on Apple TV or uh, Google Play. And you can pull it down. And this movie is about you know, what's happened here in the United States and what is happening here in the United States for lots of parents who have been utilizing cannabis as a medicinal agent for children suffering from a myriad of different disorders who have in some cases had to result to becoming what we're calling cannabis refugees, literally travel all over the country to states that have legal cannabis programs to make sure that they can get medication for their children who seem to only respond to this as a medication. It's saving their lives. And you know, the movie takes a really good hard look, not at cannabis as much as it takes a hard look at the parents at the parents and what they have been put through and what we continue to put them through for something as ignorant as having to make a choice between being legal in this country or breaking the law to save your child's life. As we dug into these stories, we started to hear about a story that was happening across the pond. And this is probably a story that's happening all over the world right now. Where, you know, there are parents who now have discovered in the quiver of medications that are available to maybe help their child, who may be suffering from a myriad, again, of different childhood maladies, everything from seizures to spectrum disease to cancer. And it appears that cannabis is the only thing that works. Because a lot of these parents have been down the you know the, the road of 10, 15, 20 different medications, none of them solving the issue. And then they try cannabis in some form. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, THC-laden cannabis. That means just cannabinoids in some form that seem to bring relief. And then they're faced with, you know, a government or a local municipality that, Twice tries their best to thwart them at every step along the way from being able to have access to that medication. You know, it's crazy. For the last 20 years, I have literally done everything I can do, I think, to help patients like myself have access to good quality medication in the form of cannabis medication. I've testified before legislatures all over America. I've testified and spoken all over the world in places like Israel and in uh, Jamaica, uh, in uh, the UK about the benefits of cannabis. And I would think that over 20 years, we would have reached the point in time where we recognize its viability and we attempt to, make it easier, not harder, for patients to access a medication that works. Yet we're still caught up in the draconian mores of the last 100 years. I mean, it was close to 100 years ago, 1937, that the United States criminalized cannabis and hemp. And then the person who worked hard at doing that, Henry Anslinger, then worked for the next 50 years, to push the rest of the world to agree when the rest of the world didn't even understand why, why they were agreeing. And we, we passed a U.N. resolution and then you know, Nixon passes his draconian laws that make cannabis a Schedule One drug and may force all allies and all the world to go along with us. Stop the research of a plant-based medicine that could have by now been researched enough to prove its efficacy in a myriad of different maladies. And instead, we're now just starting to slowly trickle the truth out to the world. Yet caught up in that are all the patients that are still left on the battlefield trying to have access to medication. And that's why I'm so happy to have our guest with us today. She's a mother who lives in East Kilbride, Scotland, who has been tirelessly campaigning for the National Health Service funded prescription that her son desperately needs. Her eight-year-old son, Cole, was diagnosed with a rare form of severe epilepsy as a baby and suffered up to 20 seizures a day. Think about that for a second. If your child was suffering 20 seizures a day, you would do anything you could do to see if you can bring them some relief. This mother went the long haul, even allowed this young boy to have brain surgery. He's tried up to 20 different anti-epileptic drugs before he was prescribed a life-saving cannabis oil, which has helped him tremendously. And then all of a sudden she gets hit by this pandemic, coronavirus pandemic worldwide that has made it difficult in her home country to be able to afford the medication since the fundraising nights that she was using had been put on hold because of social distancing She can't hold the fundraising nights because this isn't something that's covered by her national health care. So now she's literally been forced to be almost another one of these cannabis refugees doing everything and anything she can do to make sure that she can get this medication that is life-saving for her child. She's since been campaigning to have the cannabis oil and medicoms, metamods, I'm sorry, medicines provided to her and paid for by the NHS. But she continues to struggle with the bureaucracy of the Scottish government and NHS Scotland. Lisa Quarles, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montella Day. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I hope I kind of described that correctly, but, you know, I think it's going to be, it's a little hard, I think, for people here in the United States to understand your healthcare system, one. Number two, we are kind of looking at this, though, we're, we're looking at it in the face of a mirror between each other. But I will tell you that there are people here in the United States that I think probably view cannabis differently than people in Scotland. So let's go way back for a minute. And let's just kind of, before we, we, we dig in real deep to specifically what's going on with coal, Give me an idea of what the, what the landscape has been about cannabis in Scotland for the last 20 years. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: the red life i know this is going to become your new favorite
0: podcast and i'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step by step every single week
1: Uh, from my own point of view um cannabis is illegal it was a demonized drug that caused psychosis um severe mental health problems it was a kind of gateway drug to more serious drugs um I was a police officer um for 10 years and as a police officer uh, my own views were very much that you know I, I had tunnel vision to what we were taught to believe that cannabis was um so yeah I don't think it has a very good even just using the word cannabis even um the word uh, the, the, the picture of a cannabis leaf um is frowned upon um in uh, Scotland, to most people, um, it's probably the same as, as everywhere else. To be honest, it's it's lack of education, lack of knowledge.
0: And recently, though, you now because of all of the advocacy all over the world, and you know, places like Spain, places like you know, Colombia, Argentina, Mexico, um, uh, India, China people have started to recognize, and yeah, I think part of it has to do with the fact that in the United States for the last 20 years, we've been pushing really hard to get medical cannabis you know, uh, made available to patients. And several states in the United States have come on board. So people's attitudes here in the United States over the course of, let me tell you, the last 20 years have gone from less than 40% of the people in the country thinking that cannabis was a viable medicine to now, well over 80% of people believe that it is truly a medication. There are numbers that say that we have anywhere from 70 to 75% of the people in this country who believe that it should be used recreationally because they believe that it's better for you than alcohol. Yes. Has that been the same trend in Scotland?
1: Yeah, I would say um, probably over the last kind of three years that I've been campaigning anyway, um, I've noticed a huge difference in opinion. Um, more people will contact me. But I still think there is a bit of a a shyness about it. People want to understand more, but they don't want to tell anyone. There's still this kind of reluctant to, 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 to discuss it openly until yeah. it becomes a time where they need it. Then that's when you see people asking the right questions or doing their research. It's unfortunately usually when either them or a family member need the help of the magic plant.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's very interesting because I I really just I I appreciate you sharing the fact that you were a police officer and, you know, your attitudes were what you were taught. I mean, what you grew up with, thinking that this is a gateway drug. And now we know for a fact that it is not a gateway drug. There's been science and peer reviewed, studied information out there that proves that cannabis is not a gateway drug, period. (laughs) It it, it sickens my soul when I I think about the fact that we have a president of the United States who just got elected, who six months before his election made that stupid comment out of his mouth that he still thought that cannabis was a gateway drug. We're going to have to do some real hard work here to get them to change that attitude. But the world has been changing its attitude. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't agree with cannabis that is THC-laden, the hemp plant itself has other cannabinoids in it that we are now proving through science around the world, has efficacious medical properties. You know, we, there's been a very recent released a uh, uh, peer review study document that says that, you know, there are flavonoids in cannabis that could be responsible for restricting uh, the uh, cancer cells from being able to achieve a blood source. There are peer-reviewed study documentation out there right now that has proven that there are certain cannabinoids that are more effective anti-inflammatories than some of the top anti-inflammatories that we sell. And some of those have had effect on the lungs of people who have COVID. Yeah. Yet we still won't research that the right way. So let me slow down for a second, and, and, and let, let's let's tell people about what you've been going through in your life. Um, you have a son, Cole. Uh, yeah. Take us through his birth and when you realised that there was an issue. Um,
1: Cole was born on the 26th of July, 2012, and he was fine. Uh, We had a normal birth, everything was fine. And then at three months old, he took a seizure in my arms. Now, I've got an older son, um, my older son, Dylan. He's 11 now. Um, So at the time, he was almost three. And you know in your gut as a parent, that it's not right. Um, it was literally split seconds. Both his hands came up as if he had looked into the distance and got a fright. Um, that night, i spoke to his dad, who I'm a bit of a nightmare with my boys, and he said, oh, they're fine, they're fine. And then within the next day, Cole was having multiple seizures. Um, we were sent to the hospital, and initially we were told that they thought Cole may have a um, syndrome called West syndrome which is both sides of the brain. Um, it's kind of almost like your brain goes into chaos. Um, and we were told at that point that Cole's best would be that he would live, but he would be severely disabled and have a low quality of life. And our worst was he might not live till he was five. Um, obviously for um, David and I, that's Cole's dad, we were just absolutely devastated. Um, we went through a couple of weeks of Um, scans and more tests to discover that thankfully it wasn't West syndrome, but he did have uh, focal epilepsy on his left temporal lobe, which means that the seizures come from one area in the brain, which for Cole is the the left uh, temporal lobe, which is just behind his ear. Um, We tried medication. Um, We tried six different medications initially, and then nine and by the tenth medication, he was only a year old at this point. The doctor and the medical team came to me and told us that he was drug resistant, which means that pharmaceutical drugs weren't working for Cole. They tried two or three at a time. The most they tried at the one time was four. Um, like most parents, they were up in it, down in it, adding bits in, taking bits away. It was just, you know, let's try and see. Nothing was working. So, when Cole turned um, one and a half, we decided that brain surgery was the only option for Cole to have any kind of quality of
0: life. And before, before you decided that, uh, uh, explain to people, you know, because I really want people here who are watching and tuning in to understand what a mother's going through. I mean, explain to me that day, the day with Cole. Explain to me, you get up in the morning. You go in and you pick up your beautiful son who is a year old and what happens? He starts to have a seizure in your arms, right? Yeah. And the one subsides and you get a chance to breathe for a second and then here comes another one.
1: Yeah. And here comes another one. It's terrifying. Um, it, it's it's one of the, the last for a minute to two minutes and it could be 10 hours because you stop breathing. You just you're just in panic mode. Um, for me recall most of his seizures were through the night, so it made it even worse because I had two boys and we would go to bed and he slept in beside me every night um, and he uh, would fall asleep about eight, nine o'clock and the seizures would start about 10 and they would be all the way through the night until he woke up and then he would have his last on waking in the morning. So it was, I, it was
0: really I, tough. I, I should share with you that, um, you know, one of my daughters uh, had adolescent omelet set epilepsy. And, okay. you know, I, I remember the first time I saw her have a seizure, and the, her seizures were not grand mal seizures. They were, you know, uh, auras and mini seizures. But, okay. you know, I mean, I would be, uh, I remember the very first time I saw it, I remember she was, we were out back and we were by a swimming pool and she went to step into a pool and she froze and she froze almost like a statue. And I was looking at her, I called her name, called her name. She didn't respond to me at all. And then she just kind of sat down in the water. And I thought, well, that's, I, maybe she's just playing a game. And I got up and went over to her and when I picked her up. She was shaking so hard because the seizure had scared her mm-hmm. and she didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. And, I mean, she probably had 20 of those before we literally – I literally took her to the doctors. but it wasn't because I was reticent. I just couldn't figure it out. I thought, is this – I didn't even know that that was a seizure. And then, because, you know, I had the, the – you know, the impression that seizures are something where a person flops down on the ground and they shake around and they shake and shake and shake. It wasn't until about her 21st seizure that she started shaking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went through it, know, like you, as a parent, you just, you know, it breaks your heart because there's nothing you can do. And you're going to doctors who are telling you one thing and you're putting a child on medication and she's acting a different way and it's not working. And then, you know, I remember, you know, my child went through, you know, hell and back from you know, like age, you know, eight and a half until her mid twenties. I, I mean, and, or latter twenties. I was even, you know, she, she she kind of grew out of them. Yeah, not really. She kind right. of grew out of them in a way where they started to decide and all of hers were more the aura kind of seizure. However. She was still having them. But at the time when she became an adult, you know, she self started self-medicating. And, yeah. you know, there's nothing I could do about that. As an adult, I couldn't control what she did. She was doing her thing. And it wasn't until she had a couple of them later in, in, in her mid-20s that scared the hell out of her that made her change her life. But I will tell you, one of the things that I found very interesting is that she started and a turned towards cannabis in her early 20s. And she even had mentioned to me a couple of times along the way that she never has a seizure when she's using cannabis. And I thought that was really interesting. And then all the data started coming out. But I, I got to tell you, I, 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 the very last time she had one, uh, when I was with her, was, uh, she's she's in her mid-30s now, um, but it uh, was about, hmm, seven, eight years ago, um, where we went to, uh, we were, we did an did amusement park ride. And, you know, I remember reading the information on the amusement park ride, it says, if you happen to be a person who suffered from seizures or other things, this may not be something that you want to do. And of course, you know, she's like me and I'm, you know, we're both daredevils and, uh, you know, we attempted to do this ride twice and she walked right off that, that ride. that was the first time she actually dropped and had a seizure and I, I almost lost my brain, uh, you know. I, and so I can't imagine what it was like for you to have a small baby that you had to try your best to figure out what to do with and and how to help. Um, and I, I guess if I would have been told by a doctor back then that you know brain surgery is the only thing that's going to work, I, I would have jumped at that opportunity too. And that's what they told you, right?
1: Yeah, I think um, the way that I was before I was a police officer, I worked in a doctor's surgery. So I had huge respect for doctors. You know, what they said was law. And um, I've always really been the same until recently, until this fight with Cole. Um, so when they said there's no, there's nothing else we can do for Cole other than brain surgery, we're going to perform a lesionectomy on the left temporal lobe and remove two centimetre cube area of his brain. Um, and hope that that works um, there is a chance that it won't work and if it doesn't he would need a second surgery but the second surgery is a lot more dangerous and comes with higher risks now like with any surgery there's a risk of death brain bleeds, you know infection um, thankfully Cole's surgery went well in the way that he didn't die and he didn't get any infections he had surgery in Edinburgh they removed the part of the brain where they believed the seizures were starting and after surgery he was six months seizure free so we thought that was it but unfortunately after um, the six months seizures came back and the first year he only had maybe one or two a month after the six month break but by the following year it was they were back and they were just coming back faster and faster
0: and again, they were putting him on all kinds of different medications at this point in time.
1: Yeah, he just yeah. what what they said was what they said was we're going to retry all the um, medications he had already tried. Um, his father and I didn't agree with that because we said, "Well, no," because all the drugs that he had had previously caused either side effects or didn't work. So. Um, we tried another couple of new drugs. We even tried unlicensed drugs. Um, and to be honest, at the time, I didn't really know or understand unlicensed medicine. Um, I just kind of went along with what the consultants recommended, believing they knew best. Um, they were the specialists in our field and I trusted my baby's life in their hands. So um, we got to, he's now tried 20 medications. Um but unfortunately, he, he took a turn for even, even more of a worse in June 2018. He began taking multiple seizures through the night and then during the day, he was taking drop seizures, absences while he was at school, um, tonic-clonics. He was he, he was just the worst he'd ever been. And by the September, we noticed that Cole's speech had started to go and he was walking um, almost like he couldn't see the floor. Um almost like a thunderbird is how I would describe it. His feet were coming up um, and um, I had put a post out on social media. I've always been very uh, vocal about Cole and um, I've always spoke out about our journey from even before my cannabis campaigning. So I took to social media and I had asked, does anyone know of anything that's available to help Cole that is available anywhere else in the world I don't care what it costs. I don't care where we need to go. But the NHS in Scotland had came to a close and the only thing that was available for Cole was a second surgery, which I was not prepared to put him through. And every comment was cannabis. And initially, because of my tunnel vision, um, ex-police officer head, I decided that he wasn't going on cannabis because I wasn't having that for, for my son. He would end up paranoid or psychosis or... You know, all these terrible things that you read. And initially, I started researching it to kind of shut people up. The people who were I kept saying cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. And I kept, I had nothing to back up the reason I was saying no. So I, I researched to find the reasons to back myself up of what I believed and quickly learned that actually I was wrong, massively wrong. And that everything that I had ever been told about cannabis was lies. And the more I researched, the more I found that the only things that were said negative about cannabis were mostly from pharmaceutical companies that were set to gain from cannabis ever being legalised. So I then um, went to a couple of seminars um, and I seen um, Professor Mike Barnes um, and Professor Perry, who are both massive in the UK and um, experts in their fields and both deal with um, cannabis. And then I read more stories about other parents that I had used it on their children. I contacted them through social media. And once I had, I thought that I had everything written down, everything and the knowledge I needed, I went back to Cole's consultant and said, you know, I don't want to do brain surgery. I'm not prepared to sign a bit of paper that, that would put my son in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. At this point, even though Cole's... Um, balance was going and his speech was going. I had a six-year-old boy that was active, played football every Sunday, rode a two-wheeler bike with no stabilisers. He was a weird daredevil um, and full of beans. And I just wasn't prepared to to put my son in a wheelchair. Uh, I just couldn't do it. So I was told to stop my nonsense. It was media propaganda. And if I continued with my nonsense, Cole could deteriorate and die. And surgery was his only future.
0: So, um, he's at this point in yeah. time,
1: Cole is calls
0: about five years old, right? Then, right about five sex, years,
1: sex, six, six, six.
0: And, and yeah. let me ask you a question just so we understand now after his first surgery, which was when well, he was one and a half, two and a half, two and a half, how was his development? As you just talked about, you had a little boy who was really just a really active little boy. Did he continue to develop, you know, on par with the rest of his age group?
1: No, Cole's always had a development delay of about a year and a half to two years. um, And a lot of the medication he was prescribed did not help that in the slightest. Um, The lack of school because of the amount of seizures he was having. Um, Hospital time, um, he was in and out of hospital. He wasn't getting a good night's sleep, so he wasn't learning the next day. He was sleeping most of the day. Um, So his development was massively um, affected and still is.
0: Okay. And so, okay, at this point in time, he's six. They're telling you he's got to have surgery. You're wrong. All this information you're reading is wrong. But did that, I mean, you here's a question I have. I mean, GW Pharmaceutical has already been approved, had been approved in the UK at that point in time. GW was one of the first, you know, companies, international pharmaceutical companies that literally was a proponent of cannabis and a proponent of cannabis oil for a myriad of symptoms, did that not affect the doctors that you were talking to?
1: No, so the way, when Cole, when I first approached um, the doctors about cannabis oil, GW Pharmaceuticals had a product called Sativex that was for um, adults, it's not for children with epilepsy. Um, I approached the doctors about it and was told that no, we couldn't access it because the only children that were allowed to be part of the trial for Epidiolex in the UK were kids who had either Deuce syndrome or lennox Gastrout syndrome, which are two of the rarest forms of epilepsy. Um, So I fought that answer um, and took it to the First Minister of Scotland, um, Nicola Sturgeon, it was, it was put to her at First Minister's Questions um, by the Shadow Health Secretary and at the time she said that, that she would do what she could. A couple of days later, I received a phone call from Coast Consultant saying that his name had been picked out a hat and he was one of only five children in the whole of Scotland that was allowed access to trial Epidiolex, um, which at the time was amazing. But I had also been using a whole plant, cannabis oil called MyCBD, through a clinic in Barcelona. It was completely legal, but it did have a small amount of THC in it and it was a whole plant, it wasn't an isolate. Um, So when we started the Epidiolex, um, I had to gradually take him off that one before starting Epidiolex. And there was a two week um, delay on the Epidiolex, which meant that Cole had no CBD in his system for a couple of weeks. And by the time he started it, he got very, very sick again. And the whole time on Epidiolex, he spiraled Downwards. um He went from, as I said, riding a two-wheeler bike um, and had been away clay pigeon shooting with his dad the weekend before. His dad works offshore. He went away for three weeks. And when he came back, Cole was completely wheelchair-bound, unable to speak, unable to eat. He had to have a liquefied diet. He was rushed and admitted into hospital unresponsive for the first time ever. So, our, our experience on the only licensed CBD product. In the UK was very negative. I'm not saying that's going to be the case for everyone but that was our experience. Um, I still believe there was something in Epidiolex that didn't agree with coal. Um, at that point I knew that it, the whole plant was the only way forward for coal
0: okay and yeah no you said before the Epidiolex you were using a separate product but again let me back up for a minute so they told you you got to have the surgery you said no I'm not having the surgery I'm going to find out how I can get some cannabis so what was the first time that you decided to use cannabis for call what was the um, first time-
1: the, the first time was I um, heard from another parent um a lady called Vera Tunney from Ireland and um she had commented on a parent group about a clinic in Barcelona called the Calapa Clinic, which specialises in uh, cannabis medicines. So I contacted them, had a consultation, um, and they don't prescribe, but they will point you in the right direction of where to start. And they told me about three different products. One of them was my CBD 10%, Um, I was to go online, buy it, and it was shipped over to me directly. Um, And it was whole plant, had very minimal THC in it, um, high CBD, and it was very successful. Um, Cole's seizures reduced slightly. His walking came back fully. His speech came back fully. Um, And over Christmas and New Year, we had our boy back, and it was great. The only thing was his seizures were still there, and we were trying to work out what was the best way to combat the seizures, but keeping them as he was, which I believed at the time was a slightly higher THC. Um, and I believe today that, that I was right.
0: And, and uh, was he still taking pharmaceutical medication at the same time?
1: Yes, he was taking um, two other pharmaceutical medications at the time, um, but prior to him being allowed to start the Epidiolex, he was to come off clobazam because clobazam interacted with, or they thought at the time, clobazam interacted with epidiolex.
0: Okay, and so you did notice almost immediately that his seizures had reduced when you first started giving him cannabis. So yeah. during that journey, did you change the formulation of cannabis that he was getting?
1: The cannabis that the way it happened was I had initially got the my CBD. And then I was given the opportunity to try out which meant that because in the UK we have an NHS system, so we we don't pay for our our NHS, it's free for our medical care, or the majority of it is. Um, And because I was offered a trial of Epidiolex, it meant that I wouldn't have to pay for cannabis, I would get it from the doctors, but also I would have Cole's medical team on board, which was really important to me at the time, because I wanted everybody... To be, you know, together, and them to be looking after all of Cole's medical needs and not just some of it. Um, So we we trialed epidiolex, but unfortunately, as I said, it didn't work. But I had I I knew because I had been on the the whole plant my CBD that we were on the right track. It was just the epidiolex didn't work for Cole. So while while we were in hospital coming off the the epidiolex, I told the doctors at that point enough was enough. I wanted them back in whole plant, but the doctors wouldn't support my decision. So I had to take matters into my own hands and that was at the point where I went to Holland with Cole's medical records um, leaving my wee boy in hospital with his dad and had to walk for four days to find the doctor that would look at Cole's medical records and prescribe a cannabis medicine whole plant that had THC in it. Um, I managed to get that prescription in Holland by a doctor um, for and but that meant that because the prescription was written in Holland it wasn't then legal in the UK because it wasn't prescribed by a UK doctor so I had to take the decision that I had to smuggle the drug back into to Scotland which I did. Um, and I was I was also part of a documentary at the time trying to campaign for 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 me, uh, medicine for Co and they covered it so it was then published in May and I was kind of outed, if you like, that I had smuggled cannabis oil into the UK and into Scotland for my wee boy um, and I was investigated.
0: And put a target on your back? Yeah. And now, did you have enough of it at least that it made, did did you notice that that made a difference?
1: Oh, huge. Cole got vaginally towards the end of March, and by bearing in mind, he was in a wheelchair at this point he had no quality of life he was seasoned all day he was um unable to go to school the school had decided that you know they had to put adaptions in as his parents we had thought there's no way he's going to make it back to mainstream school education it was heartbreaking I broke down a number of occasions at one point in the hospital I was in the toilet hiding from him breaking my heart and all I could think of was if anything comes back, please give him his voice back because I miss hearing my wee boy's voice. I miss being able to understand him. He couldn't. He, I couldn't understand him. He could understand me fine, but the wee soul, I couldn't understand the word he was saying and it was so difficult. And seeing that he just looked absolutely heartbroken behind his eyes and he'd lost so much weight. He was, he was just, oh, it was horrible. And from that point, even watching the consultant that's known him since he was three months old, put his head in his hands and say, you know, I, I don't know. That's what he said, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a child deteriorate so fast with nothing because we'd done lumbar punctures, we'd done CT scans, MRI scans. It had extensive bloods, urines, everything checked and nothing was showing up as to why he was deteriorating so badly. Um, and the only change in him at that point was the fact that he'd been on Epidiolex. So for, for me to then Put them on cannabis, but at that point, as a parent, it's terrifying because you're on your own. Not only are you having to find the money to access it, smuggle it into Scotland, so you're as a pl- ex police officer. I was a police officer for ten years. I have to commit a crime, and then I'm on my own in the house with a child. That I'm about to give cannabis oil to my guts, telling me this is going to work, but my but my head's thinking. If this goes wrong, Lisa, you could have your children taken off you. And it's terrifying. And there was no support. We had support from Holland, but they are far away. And I had support from the cannabis world, especially the experts. They were amazing. Um, But thankfully, I trusted my gut and and it, it worked. And Cole went from being that lost wee soul in a bed to running into school on the 11th of April. And I've got daily footage of him deteriorating and daily footage of his of him coming back, his voice coming back, has been able to stand for the first time. Um, my, my downstairs kitchen is is all tiles, and I remember the first day he stood up, acting smart, and I was terrified. I was because I was a bit away from him, and I was thinking, please don't fall because you'll burst your face open. And I was going, just wait there, and, and they just kept doing it until eventually I got my camera out and videoed it and sent it to his dad and was like, look, he's coming back. And then he started walking again. Um, his talking was back. And then, as I said, by the 11th of April, he was running into school. Um, even the teachers were sent tears when they seen him. It was just, it was incredible.
0: And what did the doctors say? What what did the doctors who now recognize that what they were giving wasn't working, but now you found something that was working? What did those doctors say? Um,
1: That's a really upsetting bit for me because bear in mind, Cole's medical team has been in my life since Cole was three months old. So I've pretty much been there the whole time. And he was on holiday. Um, and so he hadn't seen Cole since he was at his very worst. And I couldn't wait. For him to come back and for our next appointment, so that I could show how well Cole had done, and you know this medical that had happened, and um, I went in and he barely lifted his head off the bit of paper and said, "Yeah, that'll be the phenytoin, which was the other drug that he was prescribed while he was in hospital." And I, I, I kind of took a, a, you know, I sit back and I said, "Really, you you think this is f- phenytoin?" phenetone got no scientific evidence that it heals any part of the body in fact it's a very te- toxic drug um you know it causes all sorts of problems why would you think that this drug is what's caused my wee boy to go from being in a wheelchair to running into your office in the number of weeks and he just refused to accept it and still does?
0: That's, that's absolutely insane. And I'm sure that's one doctor, but I mean, what if some of the others, you know, you say you got support from some of the cannabis doctors, what are they saying? This is what's actually changed his life, right?
1: Yeah. Um, we, we um, during the, the kind of bed when I was going to Holland and coming back, finally, we were first prescribed in Holland in March. And in May, um, the 2019, um, Cole was finally given a private prescription. In the UK by a doctor in London and when I took Cole's medical records there, Cole was with me and the doctor couldn't believe the change in him and um, the doctor actually cried and I, I showed the footage of before and after and they, they, they couldn't understand why Cole's own consultants through the NHS couldn't see what everybody else could see and for me it was a big deal because it was the first time in the UK that a doctor had acknowledged what I'd done was the right decision for Cole you know and and I felt like yep finally somebody somebody sees what I see and um, all my friends and family could see it all the people around about is his school his epilepsy nurse his um his OT his physiotherapy speech and language they all couldn't believe it because they were supposed to be working with them intensive therapy for a year and within a month they had all pretty much backed off. Speech and language had signed them off. Physiotherapy had signed them off. Um, OT were still working with him in school, but th- there was no intensive therapy. He, he doesn't get intensive therapy anymore because he doesn't need it. Um, and you know, we 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 had him eighteen months seizure free.
0: So now, right now, again, that would happen recently. I guess is that. You know, uh, you did get a prescription for the right drug in the UK, but it's only for a six month window. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we have fagulite um, is still prescribed privately, so I have to pay a thousand pounds every month for it. But
0: you have to pay what? because
1: of a thousand pounds every month.
0: Which, for most of the people at home, don't know, I don't know what the exchange rate is right or anything. But that's about what thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred dollars US.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, we. We have to pay for it every month and also the problem with Brexit because the um, drug is produced and we are no longer in the EU. So we are trying to find a way that Bedulite will still be available after June or July, but at the moment we only have that short window and trying to explain to people high up in the NHS or the government that with epilepsy, especially um, children that are drug resistant, once they are on a drug that works, you can't even change the brand of the medication. It's so dangerous because one small change can knock it off. And if you stop that medication or change it and then put it back, it doesn't always mean that it'll work again. It's almost like if you remove it from the body, when you try to put it back in, the body just goes, nah, it's not going to we're not going to work. So you have to you have to be really consistent. Um and that's what happened to Cole um, a couple of months ago. The phenotone that the hospital do prescribe um, that is covered by the NHS, they changed the branding and it knocked him off and he had his first seizure in 18 months. Um, it, thankfully, it was um, it was a very small one, and um we're back on track. And I've had, but I had to fight for three months just to have that brand changed back for the drug that is prescribed. Um, so trying to explain to them that this is what's happening on drugs that are prescribed at NHS, if you start messing about with these other cannabis medicines, where, you know, it, it's just, it's not safe. Um, and it's something that they, they should really be taking serious.
0: So where, I mean, where do you stand now, Lisa? I mean, you need, you need, clearly you need some help, some advocacy from others, and and you also need financial support, right? to continue yeah. to do this. And then you're going to have to figure out how you can actually get the drug in. I mean, can you get a supply now before it run, before the laws change so that you have your supply in-house before June?
1: Yeah, so the the, the um, importer that brings over coals oils is is kind of working together. Um, he's been amazing. Uh, not only um, when I did the documentary, he's seen it and his companies in East Kilbride, um, where I live. And he contacted me, and he was the first importer that offered to bring over the vegelite legally at cost price without putting his own markup on it. He was, you know, um, incredible. Uh, There were some companies that were charging £600 for one bottle when it should have been £180 to make money money off these sick kids. And thankfully, he didn't do that, which was great. Um, So he's always brought that over, and he's working with... um, the, the UK government, Scottish government to try and find a way to make this drug available for forever for coal um, and once that battle's fought it's a case of I then need to try and keep hoping that the NHS will stop using the fact that they don't have enough evidence, so they say or trials to stop this being prescribed through the NHS in in Scotland Bedulite is is able to be prescribed. The law was changed in November 2018 to allow doctors and clinicians to prescribe uh, cannabis-based medicines that do contain a slightly higher THC. However, since that's happened, not one person has been given a prescription through the NHS for a medicine containing a slightly higher THC. um, And it's very frustrating. But the... Yeah, so that it just it, you, you just feel as if you're you're banging your head off off a off a wall, to be honest.
0: But now they just opened the first dispensary there in Scotland, do they not? And have you worked with them or have you talked to them to see if they can help you?
1: Um the the Sapphire Clinic, um yeah, yeah that opened up um last month. Um at the moment they're basically doing what I already have. So I've already got a private prescription and I've already got an importer. So coals kind of covered in that way it's just a case of hoping as the sapphire will be in the same position as i am in six months time that the medicine that they're prescribing is still available in the uk but i have had uh, probably about 20 something 20 over 20 families contact me in the last two weeks since sapphire kind of went public to say you know how do we get in touch what do we do what's the costings desperate parents that are in positions where I was in two years ago um, that are what they're at the end of their route. There's nothing else the NHS can offer except brain surgery. Sometimes there, I spoke to a family the other day who weren't even a candidate for brain surgery and they still won't acknowledge whole plant medical cannabis. They still won't discuss it. They would rather brain surgery than allow the kids to try plant medicine.
0: It's absolutely insane. I can't uh, imagine what you've got to be going through, but what I'd love to be able to do if i think, and I think it would be some help, he says, try to connect you to some of the, you know, moms are, you know, lionesses are the, you know, the fiercest in the jungle. And, you know, yes. uh, And when it comes to taking care of your kids, you know, uh, there are several different women who have literally been, you know, hard chargers here in the United States. That I'd love to be able to connect you with them. Maybe they can share some of their stories with you so that you can figure out how you can get that same kind of a movement going in Scotland.
1: Yeah. Uh, that would be amazing.
0: I think that, that would be w- amazing. I think that would yeah. help. Somebody's, I've interviewed some of them on my podcast and they are ferocious. Um, you know, they have not let up and they have literally been helping to change laws, but they have also faced the same pushback that you face in Scotland here in the United States. I, I, it's just, um, It's amazing to me that we can't seem to get more doctors to just stop the stupid and start recognising that this is a viable option.
1: Yeah, I think for me, one of the the, the most stupidest comments is I can't describe for fear of damage to the growing brain, yet my option to you is brain surgery where I will cut his growing brain in half. I just... It just doesn't make any sense to me in the slightest that they would rather cut the brain, disconnect it, remove part of the brain, yet they don't want to try a plant that has, we've had two years now of being on this and Cole has went from strength to strength. Um, I actually just spoke to Cole's teacher yesterday um, for parents' night and they told me that Cole's development has tripled this year. Now, considering we've had a year of lockdown and he spent half the year not at school, his development has, you know, has come on so well and I, I do believe that, that a lot of that is down to the fact that he's on cannabis because he's stable, he's not having seizures, he's getting good night's sleep. Um, everything just falls into place but they just they just won't see it. They're blinded by guidelines, um, very restrictive guidelines in the UK um, and there's there, there seems to be a, a barrier up for us parents that we're not allowed to. To challenge these people or um, change their decisions?
0: Oh my goodness! Well, look. Um, do you have a website or do you have a GoFundMe page? Do you have something like that that we can put up right now for here in the United States? Because I bet you we we could probably help you. I don't know here a lot of the fundraising changed from being face to face to now is being done, you know, uh, virtually. And so yep. I'd love to be able to do that for you. So is there a throw out your website?
1: Yeah, I don't have a website, but I do have a GoFundMe. Um, they can either get me on my my Facebook, which is just Lisa Quarell, which is public. You can see a lot of the stuff that I write about Cole Um, coal GoFundMe, um, as I think it's uh save, coals. Oh, I can't even remember the name of it. Cole's medicine or something. If they if they go to GoFundMe and type in Cole Thompson, it will come up. Cool.
0: Uh, try, type in Cole Johnson.
1: Cole Thompson.
0: Thompson. I'm and sorry.
1: Tom's, yeah, Thompson with no P.
0: Okay. Type in Cole Thompson, it'll come up with no P, and or type in Lisa Quarrel, right? Yeah, uh huh. And um, you know, I'm going to ask all of our viewers here, let's be blah. Montel, to see if they can dig deep. I mean, every penny helps. So you know, send Thank it over. So that would really, really, really help her a lot. And Lisa, I tell you, I'd love to keep you know track of you and find out what's going on and see, and, and hear about how well Cole continues to do. So we'd love to have you back at some point in time, and you know you can come home here one if you want. Okay.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Yes, ma'am. And thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback, also. So please send us your comments.